Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Up we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space is sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her revolutionary companion, Philip Gilfus. Is that a comment on your age? Um, I think I'm going to grow a ponytail. Oh, okay. Maybe powder a wig. Oh, all right. I was thinking more sort of hippies revolution, but uh, you do you, boo. I was going to throw the tea we have in the front lawn. Okay. Um, I mean, don't, but... Okay, um, you you fight the power, baby. So what have we been doing that is Who-like this week? Well, I haven't done it recently, but I haven't mentioned that I did a couple weeks ago. I was playing the new game, Doctor Who Infinity. I believe that's the name of it. It's on Steam um, for the PC. And it's, it's, it's all right. Um, it's, um, it's, well, there's a few adventures, uh, but the first one is the 12th Doctor and Missy. And there's and then it has the Twelfth Doctor's companions and they're sort of like it's a mix of sort of comic book story, and then you go into sort of different um, games like gem matching, you know what you typically play. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's all right. I mean, it's, it's not great, but I mean it's all right. So maybe you know it gets different once you get a little bit further. So we need a hidden figures mystery yeah. thing because we like those games. We do. See the potential news. I mean, I, I think it's official, but maybe it's still rumor that uh, the next series will be on Sundays. Okay. So. Big Brother will be over by then, so yeah, we'll be prepared be for it. Schedule. Yeah, we will. We will. Or we just watch it on DVR the next day or something. I can go out on my own. Yeah, he could just spin off. And just, spin. Yeah. solo act. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm, go, I'm going solo. solo. Welcome to Time and Space, one single lady's adventure through the Doctor Who. So you're not only going solo, you're also divorcing. Yeah, well, yeah. I feel okay. like those things are in. Let's be honest. This is the only thing keeping us together at this point. That's true. Um, this is the only time during the week we we choose to talk to each other and then it's via cat uh the cat yeah <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now do you get to talk about what you did this morning sure um well i'll just um mention another podcast that's out there and that's a uh, doctor whose line is it anyway um it's a podcast where if you're not familiar with it it's basically they will do either a new or classic who episode but they will get rid of the dialogue and replace it with their own, um, based on sort of a popular game from who, the improv Whose Line Is It Anyway? So it's something you can listen to independently, or you can sort of put on the episode, put press mute, and put the, put on this track. And so I... I, I feel like that's the best way to do it, yeah, to so be honest. Yeah, so in a recent episode, I'll, I'll talk more about it when it's out, because I don't know how many weeks ahead they do this. So. Mm. But do check out that podcast if you're interested. It's a very fun experience, so... And they apparently do it at 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, if you're in East Coast <laughs> yeah. America, yes. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Philip set his alarm last night and said, but don't worry, darling, you don't have to get up. <laughs> As if that were going to be an option. <laughs> uh, of course, maybe we should be young and hip and still awake at 2 a.m. No, we're not. Just coming in from the party? No. The rave? 
We did see an old... The speakeasy. We did not play it, but we did see an old Doctor Who board game um, the other day at our board game night that we went to, so it looked pretty old, so... <laughs> I mean, pretty old. I, of course, not that old. I'm sure it's 80 or late 70s, but still. Yeah, maybe we'll play that next time. Yeah. Right, so tonight we're going to talk about the Daleks. That's the plan. The Daleks have menaced the Doctor throughout time and space. In this first of our two-part series, we'll look at their second ever serial appearance, the Dalek Invasion of Earth. This six-part First Doctor adventure would provide the inspiration for the feature film Dalek's Invasion, Earth 2150 AD. It also features the first-ever departure of a companion, the Doctor's granddaughter, Susan Foreman. We'll dive into this classic story and see why it led to a feature film. Now, I need to start by saying I'm a little concerned about the whole dive-in thing, because it specifically tells you at the beginning of the episode not to leave dead bodies in the water. Sure, and I think that's an important public health announcement. As a general rule. Right. I mean, you always want to put them in a field or swamp. They're not going to find them there. Ah, good point. Yes, a bog or, I mean, a, or a moor. Yeah. You want to leave it in a moor, well, perhaps. I mean, yeah, they're dependable. <laughs> Of course, I, when I was writing the, the title of the feature film, I had to check it five times because it seemed grammatically incorrect. Like, there's no colon. There's not a comma. Yeah, I as I was reading sort of it. on the poster. Yeah, as I was reading it, I was like, I'm not sure. Do I pause? Is that, a, yeah, is so that it's, still it's, part of the title? I suppose you're supposed to read Dalek's Invasion, Earth 2150 AD, but like, there still should be a comma or a colon or something. Yeah. But there's not. There's not. Or just an of. Yeah. Dalek's invasion yeah. of oh, Earth. Right. I mean, was is it... <laughs> the the original is called the Dalek invasion of Earth, and the second one's called Dalek's invasion Earth, and did they think they would get away I with... This is completely different. This is a completely different show. It's Peter show. Cushing. Come it's on. Peter Cushing. And there's no of in the title. That's right. And that hoodwinked everybody. It's a completely different article. <laughs> Bless. But, anyway, but that's not what we're going to talk We'll talk about that next week, and it'll be interesting what we have to say. But so we're, we're, <laughs> Inevitably. But we're talking about the original one, so again, like mm. I said, it's only the second Dalek experience. So I thought we'd sort of... Uh, break apart some of the characters, because there's a lot to this, I suppose. Um, so first, let's just talk about the first Doctor. Um, How did you enjoy his role, or not role, in this story? Yeah, I think that's part of it, is that he doesn't seem to do a whole heck of a lot. Um, he hums and wipes his nose and hums a lot. Right. But, um, yeah, he is not in any way, shape, or form the catalyst for this and it's it's interesting to compare it, and I, and I don't know. I hesitate to, to 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 use his characterization or his writing as something for nowadays because I would, wouldn't want to diminish the the new Doctor that would be upcoming. But it is interesting that the Doctor's not necessarily the main character, sort of ensemble piece. Mm, very much I an mean, ensemble I, I piece. Want to downplay Jody and you know whatever, but but it is an interesting approach to it. Yeah. It certainly is. Um, I think that you can get away with serials like this if it's not all the time. Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, the fact that we have seen the first Doctor being the leader makes it palatable to let him take that step back. 
And apparently in real life, he injured himself, or at least fell awkwardly, and he's... Well, he wasn't that old, but I suppose old enough, and so he sort of fell off a ramp of the Dalek ramp or something in the story. And so he was basically took a week off, so he's not in one of the episodes. Can't remember which one it was. I mean, because you really almost don't notice, right? Did he sprain his ankle? They should put cold water on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we learned about the one, what, the wonders of cold water on any uh, below the shin industry in, injury. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of he. You know, I would say stereotypical. Of course, he's the first doctor, so there is no stereotype other than what he's creating. But uh, l- looking back retroactively, he sort of does the stereotypical last-minute save in the last episode of like, ah, oh, this is how we destroy the Daleks: pressing buttons, wibbly wobbly, techno babble, boom, done. Yes, yeah, but I think that this one was nice because everybody was off doing different things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got Susan off in one direction, you've got Ian off in another direction. She was not with a group of boys doing music. (laughs) No, that's true. (laughs) She was not with a British boy band, that is true, that were not anywhere caught. Like, I'm not even sure their parents were born when this was aired. Um, no, but she, she was doing one thing, and Ian was doing another thing, and Barbara was doing another thing, and they sort of intersected. At some point, Ian and the Doctor are together, and Susan and Barbara are together, and then Barbara and Ian are together, and Susan's on her own, or she's with the Doctor. And so that was quite interesting. I don't know that we've really seen one where everybody had their own sort of story. And I'd have to look it up, through. so I'm probably going to be wrong when I say this. But I feel like, which means it's probably wrong, this is the first six-part serial. And I'm probably wrong. I think this is like the tenth serial. It's off the top of my head, so I'm probably wrong. The tenth serial of the first Doctor. So, But it, but it, it does... I was going to say it does feel long. I mean, it doesn't feel uber long. I mean, you know, we sort of piecemealed the way we watched it. But, you know, I'm sure it would feel a movie length if you sat there for all six episodes. Yeah, I mean, it's two... But it doesn't... More than two and a half hours long. And it doesn't... I don't know. To me, it didn't bog down. I mean, as much... You know, at least with me, when I'm watching classic, I sort of, you know, set my brain to that other gear. Like, okay, this is going to be different pacing than current TV. But I don't think there was any like, oh, well, this is nothing happening for this one. No, I I would agree with that. It, It didn't feel like it got bogged down. It felt like it got possibly over complicated complete yeah. yeah uh they're in london and then they're out in the west country and then they're in london again you know in the it's saucer lo- in the saucer the look real looking flying saucer incredibly realistic yeah so it felt comp- a little over complicated at times mm-hmm. but again to get three or four different storylines going through it mm-hmm. you kind of needed that i felt like they almost sort of spent most of their time world building in a way and almost there was almost more I wanted to see because this is sort of basically this dystopia Earth uh, with you know our occupied Earth with the Daleks and then with the Robo people um, and then the revolutionaries or whatever you want to call them or the you know slaves or whatever. Um, so it's it's an interesting mix of building this world of what happened and and how the society now works or doesn't work. So. Yes, and interesting in the necessity of it being on Earth, right? You know that you may have been able to get away with less complication if you'd set it on a completely different planet, perhaps. I don't know. And I thought it was, I don't know, in some ways this story troubles me a little bit. I mean, whatever, I'll get over it. But this is sort of like, so this is like established. 
that in whatever year this was, I think the twenty one fifty. Keep up. Yeah, it's well, in that the, was the it's movie. It's in the title. Oh, yeah. sorry. Right. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I, but I'm sure so. Like the twenty second century or something like that. You know, the Daleks occupy Earth. Like we didn't go back in time to prevent it. We just stopped it. So yes, yeah, sort of like yeah. So is it a fixed point? Yeah. Um, and if it's not a fixed point, where the hell is Susan? <laughs> And how irresponsible was it to leave her there? So, yeah, and I thought of that as well. And we'll talk a little bit more about it when we get to Susan's departure. Mm -hmm. But um, the idea of what happens next... And I do always find the the first Doctor interesting. Not in a bad way. I just think it always makes me amused that, you know, they'll, they'll find this area, they'll arrive, they'll find the complication. He's like, well... I'm out of here, guys. And they're like, no, no, we should stay, Grandfather. He's like, nah, not our problem. You know, you just sort of get the the young doctor who's really not interested in really helping people at all, to tell you the truth. Um, he's just going to see what else is out there. So, Well, and at the end of it, he's like, oh, you guys have a lot of work to do. I'm out. Um. <laughs> so that part of his personality remains the same. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with the cleanup. Yeah. My work here is done. Yeah. But you didn't... <laughs> yeah, it it is interesting. I, I yeah, because I, I, I have nothing bad to say about the first Doctor, other than he's not often the main character, as we say. So and and he does need assistance. <laughs> there were a few times though, it's like man, I feel like he's going to regenerate like two times during the serial. Yes, he, he got injured pretty bad. Yeah, he gets hurt. He nearly gets lobotomized. Yeah. All sorts of bad things happen to mm-hmm. him here. So, okay. Well, let's move on to the so-called title main characters, and that is the Daleks. So yes. this is sort of their second appearance for, for in, in their real time. Um, what did you think? Was this a, uh, considering it's either retroactive in your mind or whatever, did you think like, oh, well, this is this is an interesting way to use them, or just for I, the time an interesting way to use them? I feel like, and we're going to talk about this also when we're in the TARDIS library because of the similarities in they're a little bit more fleshed out, Mm -hmm. excuse the pun. Mm -hmm. Um, We're so used to just seeing exterminate, exterminate kind of things, this sort of uh, single-mindedness, whereas these seem to be less good soldiery in terms of they had a plan they were they had a specific this wasn't just about blowing up the earth and killing all the people although that was part of it but they were also turning them into robo robo men to help with the heavy Uh, labor of the things that they they were more than just men robo people sorry they're existence was more complicated than it oftentimes is, I think. When I was looking at TARDIS.wikia, which, you know, I assume they're correct, but anyway, uh, this is the first time, apparently, that they've ever said exterminate. Apparently they were saying exterminated in the Daleks. I mean, I can't say I paid that close attention. But it was sort of the first time they ever said exterminate. And again, like you said, though, they weren't just, that's not the only word they said. But I guess the thing is, with Classic Who, or at least with these first two appearances, the Daleks and now the Dalek Invasion of Earth, they, they talk in complete sentences. Yeah. It's not just exterminate, mercy, you know, whatever. It, they just talk in a sentence, you know, we need to do this now, you know, and so it, I think that it is interesting once they maybe become a trope of themselves, then they sort of... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so that was something that I specifically picked up on 
Um, they are much more, not uh, not necessarily three-dimensional, because we don't see a variety of character in them, but their planning and their individuality to an extent. Whereas for a lot, in a lot of ways, today's Daleks are good soldiers. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in the, the episode that we look at in the TARDIS library, he's, he needs orders. He needs somebody calling the shots. And we see that more often than not. And we don't see that with this one. And I'm, I, th- I like that the show did pause to think about its own continuity. Because, I mean, it could have just said, who, who cares? It's Daleks. Let's not try to explain it. Mm. But they were like, hey, now they have discs on their backs and don't need static electricity anymore. Like mm-hmm. we said in the first serial. And... And then I, I can't remember, I think I want to say that they're like, oh, how can the dogs be here? And the doctor's like, no, 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 this is before we've met them. Because I can't remember what, when the, the Daleks took place, whether what year that would have been right. on Scaro. But anyway, uh, he seemed to say, at least, what, and I could be wrong, that you know this is before we met them. So that's why they're still here and doing things, I guess. But anyway... Yeah, but, but, but they, there are a thousand times that we think the well, Daleks the have been man. annihilated <laughs> and... They haven't really. But I did like that. I mean, they, you know, they had no reason for the 19th, you know, uh, 60s show to care about continuity, but they did. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, it works. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting that they did look a little different. Of course, it's black and white, but we can tell that they're. Yeah, that they had, you know, again, we've got Stephen Moffat, right, who talks about when he introduces the Daleks and they're all the different colors and he's like, that's oh, yeah, what yeah. they were like in the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. And you can sort of see that again, it's in black and white, but you know, there are different tones to the Daleks and like can, this and like this, not that kind oh, of okay. tone. You're an idiot. <laughs> but so yeah, I was, well, I was doing again, doing the research. Apparently they had to find the old models. Like they were in a private collector somewhere. <laughs> so they look, we have them back. Please. And then built new ones. And so mm. that's why you had that mix. But I thought that was cool. I mean, you can tell from the tones whether it's an actual color or just a gray. Or, well, I'm sure it is an actual color because they would just, just want to do it in gray. That'd be not very motivational as an actor, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway. So, but yeah. And it'd be interesting to... I wonder if they've ever tried to technicolor any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, there, I, I follow a Twitter... I don't want to say it's the wrong handle. But anyway, there's someone who does colorization. I was showing you one of his today... But it would nothing to do with Doctor Who. I forget what it was that I was showing you. But anyway, he, he often will do a colorization of different things. So yeah, that would be interesting. I'm just blanking on that handle for right now. I don't want to say the wrong, wrong name, but yeah. So, but yeah, and it, it was an interesting thing with the Daleks as occupiers, like they said. It was a Dalek plan. I guess in a semi-critique, I think it took a little while for them to reveal the plan. Like, it's six episodes. You can, like... Number four would probably be a good time, not like five and a half near the end or six. Yeah, and and it was, again, it was kind of an overcomplication. Like, they were digging into the earth, and they thought that they were trying to get certain things, but it actually turns out that they wanted to drive the earth as you do. Something with the... Uh, Yeah, and so all of that felt just a little bit... It didn't need to be that complicated. Right. Because they weren't going to get away with it anyway. So, you know, yep. whatevs. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, sort of, the main characters, in a way, uh, Barbara and Ian. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, the Doctor's companions. And so, as you said, they sort of had two different experiences. But what do you sort of think of Barbara and Ian 
I did like how, you know, there's sort of like a tier of the First Doctor companions. So you have Susan at the bottom, of course, who's there to get her ankle twisted and you scream. Barbara mm-hmm. is a tier above. She's like, no, I I know I'm a woman character in the 1960s, but I'm still going to do stuff. I will scream occasionally, but I can also still hit, hit Apparently every time somebody comes to a door. Right. That happened like twice in a row. Yeah. The door opened and somebody screamed. And I was like, what? Why? If you, Particularly if you're trying to stay hidden, <laughs> don't do that. But yeah, never but, mind. But, but Barbara was like pushing the, um, and I won't remember any characters' names, was pushing the professor um, to, you know, fight. And it was all sort of, as the outsider, she's like, oh, you know, I used to live here. Well, I mean, she didn't tell them that, but, you know, I know London and, you know, basically we need to fight. And it was that one woman who she spent, Jenny, I think her name was, um, who she spent a lot of the this story with, who Jenny was sort of cynical and like, oh, I, why did that you know professor kill himself just to test out his grenade and and and, and uh, Barbara was like no you got to fight you have to be revolutionary and so she was sort of providing these sort of ideological motivation yeah and also the sensible you know she's the one who comes up with the trick to hey I've got all their plans look at this notebook exactly. you know she's the more conniving thinking things mm-hmm. through kind of yes we're gonna drive this. What was it? A fire truck they were driving? A, a lorry, I guess. I some sort of I forget some what sort it was. of lorry. Yeah, I can't remember. But she's, you know, all yeah. of those things. She came out pretty plucky. Yeah. She's like, uh, I'm just. She's like, oh, there's you know, Jenny's like, oh, there's Alex. She's like, yeah, hit the gas. This is what we're yeah, doing. Let's do this. <laughs> let's do this. Um, whereas Ian is more of the. He's because he's he's not the strong man per se, but sort of the the spy almost. He's sort of yes, the infiltrating <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see because Ian plays a bit of a buffoon in the first <laughs> Peter Cushing um, film. film that we saw. So it'll be interesting to see how they work that out and how many times he runs into things. Right. Yeah, because like I said, it was a very complicated i mean for like if i were to the summary like this is what barbara did and this is what eden did it'd probably take us like 30 minutes just all the stuff that they were doing but i think that they had individual roles in the piece and they played them well in a way that i hadn't necessarily like i feel like i know more about all of them as characters mm-hmm. now having seen this because they had that opportunity I did feel there was a little bit of uh, uh, sex segregation because I feel like Ian would only interact with male characters and Barbara, for the most part, would only yeah. interact with female yeah. characters. I mean, she did deal with the profess, like when she was when she was with the rebels. I mean, that was mixed gender, but I, but once the the gra- you know the the story went along, then she was just with her 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 companion. Yes, her companion, <laughs> and then companion. they run into you know they run to somebody's house, and it turns out that that is also two women. women yeah. yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, maybe it was just a contrast, considering Susan's over there getting all sorts of desegregated with David. <laughs> and and I don't know. Is that right, David? Yes. Um, and I don't know if there's any reason to think real deep about the story, you know, whether they were just going for a simple aliens invade and, you know, Doctor Who. But, I mean, it does make you think, again, this is, this is post-war, uh, when this is all going on, most people lived through World War II. And so the concept... And the Blitz yeah, and so, is what you're thinking. Well, no, I'm actually thinking of, like, uh, France and everything, when you have the occupation and you have mm. some collaborators, like the yep. two women she yep. met. 
Um, and so the choices people make, whether to fight or not, and you know, on paper, it's easy to say, like, of course you should fight, like as Susan is, or excuse me, as Barbara is saying. But then there's the reality of, well, do I want to live or not? And then, you know, the choices you have and to make. And do I want to live in this completely new world mm-hmm. that even once it's over, once the, the occupation or whatever is over, if it's ever over, the whole world has changed. And is that a place I want to... And then even the, I don't know what the metaphor would be, so I'll just go for what it literally was, and you can think of what the metaphor would be, but when the, it was the final serial, I think, when you had the one guy who, who faced his brother who had been roboized, and so it's brother versus brother, and you know, almost like a civil war or something, but anyway, and so he has to make the decision, and they end up, I think, just killing each other. Um, but he sort of has to deal with that. He's trying to, you know, you're, you know, remember me? It's it's your brother, and then we remember your wife. And he has been living so hard to find his brother, mm-hmm. and then the realization that his brother really ultimately was gone. Yeah, and there was no because there's no cure apparently for being a robot or whatever. Yeah. Um, because the story actually opens with a robo human just killing themselves or yeah, walking in the water. Which you're not supposed to do. There's a sign and everything. It's fairly big. Um, that and the... What's the... No veto? No or vetoed. Something? Okay. So, throughout this... I mean, if you've seen this, uh, listeners, but if you haven't, throughout this whole serial, because this is all supposed to be sort of dystopia London, but there's these big signs everywhere that say vetoed, and some of them have like an elephant or something, and there's never an explanation for what that sign's supposed, these signs are supposed to mean. So, again, doing the research. So, apparently, it's an end joke. When, I guess, the product... I'm going to get these names wrong. But anyway, I guess when the ideas of how to design a scene, and then the production designers or whoever would put vetoed if they didn't like it. <laughs> so, that was that was sort of their, okay. their talk back to the people who don't want them to do what they want to do, I guess. <laughs> so... But again, it would have been nice if they had come up with some in-story explanation. Yeah. <laughs> it's really everywhere, obnoxiously everywhere, that, like, surely this means something. I'm trying to connect, like, was this when the... Because apparently there was a plague first that the Daleks sent, and then to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, weaken up humanity, and then the Daleks invaded. But so I was trying to think of, like, is this how the government reacted, or is this the people? I don't know. It was all very confusing, and in the end, there was no reason. Yep. So Sometimes that is the way things work. Um, she's a little frustrating. Yep. All right, so let's talk about um, the character who this is her last... Well, I was going to say it's our last episode of Doctor Who. That's not actually true, because we'll see her again in The Five Doctors, and then Dimensions in Time, if you call that an episode, where they... Yep. When they go yep. to EastEnders or whatever. Yep. Anyway, um, so Susan Foreman. Um, so other than the medical breakthroughs of water on ankles... <laughs> What did you think about Susan's performance in this, her swan song? Uh, yeah, um, she gets more moments than she often has because she has that love moment, although it is a little bit um, dramatic. Right. But, um, yeah, I think it's interesting the because ultimately it was both her choice and the Doctor's choice, I think. Mm-hmm. I think she... Uh, he made the choice because she didn't want to make the choice, but if she had been forced to make the choice, I think she would have made the choice, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that. She wanted to be with this freedom fighter, uh, but she also didn't want to leave her elderly grandfather, and her elderly grandfather said, 
you need to to push you out the nest. But yeah, I'm going to push you out of the nest. I, you know, you need to live a normal life such as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they did a fairly good job. I mean, I, I mean, we we both knew what was going to <laughs> happen in the end, but I think they they planted the seeds of you know. Um, she, she sort of muses about early on what it'd be like to live, and mm. David's like, "Well, maybe you should." Or you know, this is where or, well, I, I know because she was sort of saying like, "Well, I'm going to leave. I can't wait to get you know get back to the ship." He's like, "Look, I live here. I can't leave. Yeah. This is my life." And she's like, "Well, I don't want you to come with us." I'm like, no, this is my life. This is how I live. This is the you know how people live. And so she sort of gets converted to the no more adventuring and living in one place and one time and all that. Yeah, although I do have to say, I question the doctor's choice of leaving her in a post-dystopian <laughs> world. You know, well, with it, new it, possibilities. Things, yeah, but things are not going to be all that easy. Yeah. And he's like, and David's like, yep, I'm a farmer. I'm going to go watch things grow. And <laughs> I am not sure that Susan, as the time traveler's granddaughter, is going to be all that excited by sitting around and watching things grow. Yeah, because it's interesting how she would be in that society. Because I mean, you know, she gets she is kind of I don't know what would be the right word weak. Yeah, I mean, okay, um, but but she's smart. She just doesn't know how to use it. I mean, she obviously knows her history because she's time traveled. She knows math and science. I mean, all the fundamentals are in the head. Just doesn't know how to what to do with it a lot of times. And those are not necessarily things that are useful to a farmer's wife, right? And so, but it'd be interesting whether she grows and be like gets a little bored of like, hey, I know how to do quantum mechanics and you know i'm going back to the city and yeah gonna have a career yo exactly um but um first of all i'm looking quite forward to seeing how they deal with this in the movie because of course susan is a young what 10 11 year old in the film uh, wonder kind yeah Yeah. so can't wait to see the romance that plays out with that (laughs) one um but also I'd you know I'd love to see I'd love to see one of the others because the doctor says as he's leaving I'll come back and check on you. Doctor lies. Uh no I understand. <laughs> but I like the idea of the doctor showing back up and you can either have him showing back up you know, if, um, we think that she's still alive, the actress. Right. Um, and if she is in, interested in, in doing something, you know, coming back later in life and finding out, or completely recasting it and coming back two years after that episode mm-hmm. uh, in the year 2152 um, or something like that. And Susan having to recognize the regeneration and also, there's no explanation. Like, Susan is a Gallifreyan, yes. right? I mean, presumably. I mean, all we get is granddaughter, so we can make our assumptions. And so, surely there's got to be a whole heck of a lot. She'd regenerate, theoretically. Yeah. Uh, these are the things I want to know. <laughs> uh, how is she living a normal life with her two heartbeats on Earth? I mean, which the doctor's been to Earth many times in the future i mean of this episode so theoretically susan's rocking and rolling theoretically yeah so uh so that would be an interesting thing to explore Mm -hmm. anyway yeah because it is i think i mean as much as you know russell and steven as creators like to play in the doctor who uh continuity and all that stuff as a character like i can understand or at least I, i i take it for granted that the doctor will leave a companion and be sad but move on i mean i get it that's that's 
his um, soon to be her characteristic. But the granddaughter, I don't know. It's, I think it'd be a little bit different, though. You know. But also, you he, say that he does have a picture of her on his, yeah. on his desk, and you say that. But there's an awful lot of revisiting. Mm-hmm. I mean. Um, Rose. They revisit Rose all the time. And right. she's in an alternate universe. Clara is different. Oh, uh, uh, Amy. He meets a girl one night when she's... Ten. Ten. And shows back up and keeps revisiting, even after they've left, so that they continue to have adventures. So I, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, Sarah Jane shows up, for goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily uh, written in stone that he walks away from the companion and doesn't return. But, I mean, he's, and again, well, it's just he's never, other than mentions and then the photograph that 12 had in his university... We don't get any sort of like, I wonder whatever happened to my granddaughter. Yeah. And then, and then you know, again, I, I go back and forth on how much to fill in things and how much to just leave them be. But, like, who are her parents? I, you know, I mean, I, I I don't know. I wouldn't want it, like the whole series. Jenny? Yeah, I wouldn't hold the whole series to run around that. But, like, you know, a mention or two or something. It would you be can fill an in that interesting gap. It's been 50 plus explore. years. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get, um, we don't have to fill in everything. You still want the doctor to be somewhat of a mystery, but, you know. Well, and we've met his mother. Ish. Yes, Ish. we think. We it, think. They sort of left it where you yeah. have to sort of fill in the blank, but it sort of seems presumptive, yes. And so it would be interesting to see, they, you know, and I think probably it's a little bit of an inconvenience mm-hmm. that he started off with a granddaughter and, ooh, yeah. you know, what do you do with it? Particularly once you go younger. Um, but I think it would be an interesting thing to explore and kind of a fun thing to explore. Now, so as this is the first departure, so this is the first time the she falls in love and gets married, and that's how you get rid of a woman. Yes, <laughs> yes. She got her MS degree. Her MRS, <laughs> degree. MRS degree. Yeah. yeah, bless her heart. So, as far as how companions leave. So. Yeah, it is. It is the way of it is the way of the world. You know. Having seen this, and they come to you in, in 1960-whatever, this is, four or five, um, and they say, hey, that Dalek movie, that first one was gangbusters. Is this a good one to use for the second one? Um, It is so difficult because I just find it so You've just lowered bizarre. your expectations. Well, and I just find it so bizarre that they go, we're going to make a Doctor Who movie... But rather than re, you know, write a whole original. new thing, an original thought, we're just going to take the ones that are already there and redo them. <laughs> that is recycling to the nth degree. Now, the only defense I would say is, remember, the reruns don't exist in this world of 1960s. Yeah, okay. So if you missed it, you missed it. But So it's new still. to you. <laughs> but still... Uh, I just Repeats. find it, yeah, yeah, really a bizarre idea. Um, but that said, mm-hmm. yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, if when again, I don't, you know, <laughs> we have we are so low on what we expect for this next week. But anyway, yes. Um, but you know, this would be an interesting world to create with a movie budget. Again, you know, I know it's not Hollywood, so you know, British film budget. Nevertheless, you know, to to do a dystopian Earth to build that world. And again, the social constructs. I mean, it would be interesting. I also find it interesting that both of the... And is this the only other movie, or are there just two? Unfortunately, 
spoiler alert, the second movie did not go well with audiences. And uh, so that was so it. this is the only one. Okay, yeah. so uh, it is interesting that they cho- chose two Dalek stories. Well, I mean, I, I, that was, they seem to be the big hit, as they still are, of course. Yeah, but I suppose. Go for what sells. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm kind of looking for, because there are, there are so many things watching this that I went, how are they going to pull that off? <laughs> they probably won't, darling. Okay. Let's be honest. Okay. They're going to change the ending completely? <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, I haven't seen it. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be fun. So, so any other final remarks about the Dalek invasion of Earth? I got nothing. Let's dive into the library. All right, for the, into the TARDIS library, we're going to go into the future of New Who, since we've been talking classic for a while, and we're going to talk about the Ninth Doctor adventure, Dalek. And this was the first appearance of Daleks in New Who. So since the... Oh, I'll get the title wrong, but I'll try it. I think it's Remembrance of the Daleks. Anyway, the, since the Seventh Doctor Dalek story um, that we talked about for, on a previous show. So this mm-hmm. is the first New Who experience. This first premiered 30 April... 2005, and the synopsis from TARDIS.Wikia is, the Ninth Doctor and Rose Tyler arrive in 2012, that futuristic year, (laughs) to answer a distress signal and meet a collector of alien artifacts who has one living specimen. However, the Doctor is horrified to find out that the creature is a member of a race he thought was destroyed, a Dalek. Dum-dum-dum! So I thought it was interesting that in their first appearance, there's just one. Yes. And that, I think, does focus it a bit. I think it might be a budget thing. <laughs> they were, I imagine they were paying Christopher Eccleston a lot of money. They could not afford more than one dollar. <laughs> this is just the, t- the beta. Yes. Or the beta, whatever. The beta, yep. <laughs> so, so what did you think of Dalek? Yeah, I think that it does a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, we get to see, again, a Dalek with more three-dimensional mm-hmm. characteristics. You know, he he admits to being in pain. He admits, you know, the sunshine moment. Uh, again, I'm going to object to your automatic genderizing of a Dalek. I apologize. I apologize. That particular Dalek. So, yeah, there's the sunshine moment. There's the real moment with Rose, although the doctor suggests that Rose has Humanized. mutated it yeah. in a way to make it more human. We also, I mean, is this, and you may know the answer or not, is this the first time we hear about the Time War? Yeah, I mean, because it has, well, okay, I don't know, I don't know. Because I'm sure he probably has already told Rose that he's the last of the Time Lords, Mm. so I'm sure he's probably mentioned. But Rose doesn't know what a Dalek is, at least not on sight anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, And we just get this side of the doctor that looking back on it now mm-hmm. is shocking mm-hmm. but you can totally understand it i mean he is the first post-war doctor mm-hmm. and so that anger and that pain and christopher eccleston does a beautiful job with it i think um, railing at the Dalek and just wanting to kill it, just wanting to kill it, just wanting to kill it. And that's something that uh, in New Who, obviously, in particular, but also really throughout um, the suggestion of just killing it without any sort of compunction at all is a very 
different perspective of the doctor. It's not what we've seen, which is why Rose is like, no, we'll help you. The doctor helps things. That's what he does. And the doctor's like, nope, I got the big guns. There was a passing remark in, in Dalek Invasion where the first doctor, I think, hit a robo or something and he said it really quick like oh i only did that because i'm the defense of others or something i was like well that was interesting that was kind of a little like i don't do violence necessarily but anyway but yeah it it is and again you know visiting nine again is so interesting because you know with chris eccleston and all that he does and all that he is but it's like he is embodying this role so well he's not doing too much he doesn't do too little he doesn't overact Mm. he doesn't you know i mean it is his he made this role obviously um, and, and it's just good stuff. And again, that rawness mm-hmm. of the time war, particularly, you know, and we can look at it after having seen the 50th anniversary, mm-hmm. the war doctor, all of that angst there, we can see this and say, boy, Christopher Eccleston nailed it. <laughs> but he didn't have any of that <laughs> yeah. to, dr- to build on. Mm-hmm. Everything that's in that moment is all Christopher Eccleston. You know, that is not... He is creating that from nothing. And so that makes it, to me, even more impressive. And that's where I think it's fascinating because the story of what the Doctor did during the Time War, they never just be like, sits down and just expositions it straight up. But you know it, and you don't know how you know it. Because they just drip drop the stuff. Mm. But like, you get... That the Doctor destroyed the Time Lords and the Daleks, made a big choice, but they never just, he never sits down and just says that. He doesn't tell Rose a story. Over it's a just, pint or yeah, chips. Yeah, but he, the way they just drip it and his the way he, he he deals with the, you know, the Dalek being the last of its kind and him being the last of that kind and the way they, are they the same, are they the different? It starts with the very first, uh, you would make a good Dalek. Um, and him being, I'm not like you, or I am like you, or, you know, how similar and, and different. And it, like I say, again, the rawness and mm-hmm. the guilt and the pain that is all still so fresh. Mm-hmm. And for us, we can extrapolate. Again, having seen John Hurt and that beautiful, you know, the all of that stuff. But Eccleston didn't have any of it. He didn't have nearly as much knowledge about what he, he spoke of. As we do now, and again, had to extrapolate it. I just, it's brilliant. It would be interesting whether Russell sat down with him and sort of said, okay, this is what, this, or whether the director, I don't know who directed Dolly, um, you know, how, how to get that performance to fill in, this is what you should know as the doctor. Well, and how much did they know at that point? <laughs> I mean, we're still, what, three or four years away from the 50th? Yeah, several actually probably. Yeah. Uh, because Matt Smith's the doctor when we do the fiftieth. <clears throat> yeah, I mean this is two thousand and five. Something like that. And the fiftieth yeah. isn't till two thousand thirteen. I mean that's crazy. Yeah. And so how much did they know <laughs> to be able to sit him down and tell him? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So but yeah, I mean it, it's it's definitely it's one I, I kind of remembered, but I feel like with every Ninth Doctor story, I kind of remember it. But when then when you watch it, there's more than you think than you, that than than a simple synopsis would be. Yes, I would agree with that because I've seen this one. Because you think it's oh, because of the Ninth Doctor, and I don't know. I'm sure you know whether that whether that Blu-ray will ever come out. It does. It looks quote unquote old compared to new. You know, other newer new who, if I can use that term. 
But and so you know your brain automatically goes like, oh well, it's probably not as good or something. But no, it it is. It is still it, as good. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think this one. As you say, I've seen it a couple of times when I realized that's what we were watching. I was like, okay, yeah, all right. And But it just sort of blew me away again, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a lovely quality to to a television program. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is actually a sort of the, well, no. I was going to say this is the first time you got the Dalek effects, but now they did that sort of in the classic era as well. So uh, this Is is this the only time we ever see a Dalek suctioning someone? <laughs> yeah, that, suction, that was a little weird. A little CGI with that suction thing. I, 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 I can't remember seeing it again. I'm sure we have, but I don't remember would be my answer. Yeah. So. Yeah. What are you going to do? Suction me to death? Oh, no, you are. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. <laughs> Um, but yeah, a nice return. Um, and I think it was kind of important. The Daleks can be overwhelming Mm -hmm. because there are so many of them and they don't have personalities. You know, it's not like so many of the aliens, we know that there's at least one that we've related to in some way. Um, heck, even the Cybermen, because you've got Danny Pink and Bill. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that there are things that we have been able to relate to, and the Daleks really don't see that very much. So having this one and having him admit that he's in pain, again, sorry for the he, <laughs> um, and begging to be given orders because that's what he's... Not, you know, there's there's just a lot of interesting nuance that isn't ever particularly followed up in terms of we don't then see another full, fully formed character in a Dalek, but, Yeah, because I think it was an interesting thing that the journey takes you on, because this Dalek is being a Dalek, it kills all these people, and then at the end, it's like, oh, I feel sorry for me. And you're like, no, you just killed a bunch of people, but then you do feel sorry for it for just a little bit, so it's sympathetic enough, but then Rose has the choice of commanding it to basically kill itself or whatever. Which it's begging for her to yeah. do. Um, so it puts her in an odd spot, for her... I mean, for us, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's fine. But anyway, but I get where she's coming from. So that it's redeemable, you know, despite it's killing a bunch of people. But anyway. Yeah, well, it that's what it was built to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I always think about Jessica Rabbit. I was drawn, drawn that, that way. way. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of idea. And, and can they be redeemable? And hmm. I don't know. I think about just Rabbit too, but different reasons. Um, <laughs> uh, that's why I married a girl named. Anyway, so <laughs> great. I'm glad I could do that for you. Um, no need to ask what we'll be doing about next week, as we've already told you. So we will be <laughs> exploring Peter Cushing. Yes, woop the, woop. The, the second and last installment of Peter Cushing as Doctor Who. Uh, of course, we'll be doing the Rift Tracks versions because we don't trust ourselves to take this movie seriously. You know, it's probably going to be the best movie ever. And, and you, uh, spoiler alert, of course, you know who's in the movie other than Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing? Um, Bernard Cribbins. Oh, that is very exciting. I don't know what role he plays, but no, I can, alert, Yeah, I can get it. behind that. Um, so you'll see Granddad in there. Yay! Bless. Yeah, I think we watched the Rift Tracks because if we weren't watching the Rift Tracks, doing, we would be doing the Rift Tracks, yeah. yeah so. And then we wouldn't pay any attention to the movie because <laughs> we'd be too busy being very funny, which we normally are. Exactly. Unlike this podcast. So, right. well, until next week, darling, you're my favorite revolutionary um, killer robot in all of time and space. Thanks. Thanks.
This is BBC Television.